I'm delighted to announce that the National Association for Primary Education has exclusively released a video from its Primary Education Summit, Visions for the Future. This video, recorded by me, Mark Taylor, and Al Kingsley, talks about creating digital strategies for schools. This video is available for you to watch now at educationonfire.com forward slash blog, which I really hope gives you a taster of some of the amazing content that was available as part of that Primary Education Summit. That's educationonfire.com forward slash blog. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for being here as always. And thank you to those that are continuing to share the message of Education on Fire with your friends, your family, your colleagues. It's the best way of people coming across the podcast is to hear it with a great recommendation from those that are already listening. So yeah, thank you so much indeed. Now today we're talking about using your voice in Oracy and I'm delighted to be chatting to the charity Voice 21. Now they're on a mission to transform the learning and life chances of young people through talk. I'm joined by Amy Gaunt, and Amy is Director of Learning and Impact at Voice21. Amy joined the charity's foundation leadership team in 2016 and has supported its growth from one London school to a network of nearly a 1,000 schools across the UK. She has developed Voice21's approach to oracy education, teacher development and school improvement and has led the development of their impact function. She has co-authored the Transforming Teaching and Learning Through Talk, the oracy Imperative and Voice21's oracy Benchmarks. Before joining Voice 21, Amy was a primary school teacher both in London and internationally. So I really hope you enjoy this wonderful conversation, which is such an important topic and hopefully something that can really support you in the learning and education you're delivering. Amy Gaunt from Voice 21. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Far podcast. Oracy is something which is incredibly important. Um, I know from my work with the National Association for Primary Education, and I also know as a parent, it's something which gets used less and less and less because <laughs> my kids certainly always want to be sending a text or an email rather than making a conversation or picking up the phone to make that conversation. So I think this is going to be absolutely fascinating. So yeah, thanks so much for being here. No worries. Glad to be here. So let's jump straight into Voice 21. What is it and, um, and what's your role within it? Uh, so Voice 21, we're the National Oracy Education Charity. So we have a charitable mission, which is um, to transform learning and life chances of young people through talk so that all children can find their voice in school and in life. Um, so that's quite a big statement, but we know that oracy is really, really important to young people's success, both in school and in life. So we know in school, students that have better oral language skills tend to achieve better. So they're more likely to get the top GCSE grades. Um, we know there's a really important link between oracy and well-being. So if we can't express ourselves, if we can't communicate how we're feeling, then it's really difficult to be well essentially we know that there's a link between oracy and employability so um one of the things that employers want most in kind of lots and lots of surveys from employers is young people um joining their ranks who've got really strong um, oral communication skills so we know that it's hugely important um but at the moment it's quite rare for oracy to be explicitly and deliberately taught in the same way that literacy and numeracy is um so we're all about um, raising the status of oracy in schools across the uk um, um, and teaching teachers and schools how to do that really, really effectively. So how to give their students a really high quality oracy education. 
And do you think it's really curriculum led in terms of like say it's not the same as the literacy side of things it's just purely schools are focusing on what they know they need to do and obviously while they may believe it's important it just has that different focus purely because of the way the system's set up at the moment yeah so um so it's a really tricky one one of the things that we often say with oracy is that it's kind of everywhere and nowhere in a school so um you know spoken language is on the national curriculum so it is a kind of requirement of schools to teach spoken language but i mean the the kind of statements around spoken language in the national curriculum are not particularly um detailed obviously it's not sort of um formally assessed so i think there's less impetus for for schools to teach it um and what we hear from from schools is they just don't really know how to go about kind of beginning to provide their students with an oracy education so um one of the things that we've done is we've created a set of um, oracy school benchmarks and essentially they sort of set the standard for what we mean by a really high quality oracy education um, and we've got a set of teacher benchmarks but also a set of school benchmarks um, because we recognize that there are sort of different levers available to teachers um, and school leaders and one of the school benchmarks um, is has a sustained and wide-ranging curriculum for oracy so obviously that kind of curriculum driver is really really important we know that if it's not being deliberately planned as part of the curriculum then that really high quality oracy teaching isn't going to happen um but i think oracy needs to sit both in and beyond the curriculum so it's really important for example that a school has a culture of oracy where students voices are really valued kind of in and beyond the classroom that students have opportunities to speak up and to use their voice in different contexts um not just within the classroom and in terms of the experience that the, the, the pupils have, is do you sort of find the age makes a big difference? Because I guess as people get older, they get more self-conscious. And, and so I guess what I'm sort of getting at is the fact that if you if you sort of had it throughout your life and it's something that's part and parcel mm -hmm. of what you do, does it sort of get easier, quicker, as it were, or you don't suddenly have that self-conscious element in the same kind of way? Yeah, I think so one of the things that, that we that we think a lot about is this idea of being comfortable in the uncomfortable and it is kind of uncomfortable isn't it in, if you're engaging in that sort of um presentational talk so speaking um in front of of others um can be quite difficult and i think the more that you do that the more that you get used to it and the easier it becomes and, and the more confident you become um so i think that that kind of having that exposure and that practice and those opportunities is really really important um but I guess what's what's interesting about oracy, I think, is the kind of ebbs, ebbs and flows or the, the peaks and troughs in terms of oracy as you move through school. So um, we've done some research recently where we've surveyed students in sort of the Voice 21 oracy schools that we're working with across the country. Um, and we found that oracy can be a really powerful source of confidence for students, but there's a really big gap between the confidence of students in primary school and those in secondary school. So there's something that's happening between on that in that transition between primary and secondary, where suddenly um, in secondary school, students are reporting much more kind of anxiety around speaking in class um, compared to um, their counterparts in primary school. So there's something um, interesting going on there. We need to think about how we are supporting um, students to kind of 
feel confident in those situations in secondary school i think for me i mean sort of looking back and it's a long time ago now that there's a certain amount of comfortableness in in a primary school i think because you've been there for a long time by the time you sort of get to sort of year five year six you're the oldest in the group you've been through mm-hmm. that sort of graduation if you like in, in terms of going through the different different year groups before that and then when you sort of hit secondary school not only do you have the sort of the the, the physical de- developmental sort of side you're now one of people where you're younger you're young in the school in relation to other people and also within your year group of course you're you're not amongst friends in the same way you you don't have that long history that's gone through and i suppose a combination of all of those things are gonna are gonna have some kind of impact yeah absolutely and i think um in secondary schools that we work with there's a really big um piece of work to do around building kind of shared um, a shared and kind of consistent understanding of what we mean by RSE across the school. So making sure that we are explicitly teaching students how to engage in really high quality discussion, for example, and that there is some kind of consistency in that across the school so that as students are moving between lessons, they know if they're in their science lesson, their history lesson, you know, they know the kind of they they know how to engage in that really really high quality effective talk and that might need to be tweaked to kind of um to suit the subject and the type of talk that they're doing in that particular classroom but they need to have those sort of shared expectations so that um yes students know how to engage in that talk in in different classrooms with different teachers across the school so when people get involved with talk 21 what do they see what do they come up against and sort of what do they sort of buy into if if, if not for a better phrase um so so schools kind of choose to become voice 21 RSE schools um, and we've done a lot of things at, at Voice 21 so we've been going for about um, eight years now when we first started um, we were just really excited to kind of take the message about RSE out there to share the kind of good practice that that we developed in one context and kind of build that and develop that in schools across the UK and we had lots of different kind of programs we had a leadership program we had lots of kind of programs for for classroom teachers both primary and secondary um, and after a few years we kind of took stock and we really thought about the impact and the difference that we were making and one of our big reflections was that in order to really drive impact and to really have an impact on um, young people's education we needed to work at a whole school level instead of um, with individual teachers within a school because we weren't kind of seeing the the impact kind of across the school that we wanted to see and so because of that we developed our our voice 21 Oracy schools um, membership. So we work with with schools um, for a number of years. Usually, um, we provide, I guess, um, targeted professional development for key people within the school. So we work with a defined Oracy leader and what we call Oracy champions. So they're the kind of most enthusiastic um, teachers in the school about Oracy. We really upskill them in terms of their Oracy practice, and then we give them the tools that they need to be able to cascade that practice across the school. Um, and then we also have a program, a professional development that's open to kind of all teachers within the school. That's a bit sort of lighter touch. Um, it's asynchronous or synchronous um, online learning that those teachers can then engage in. So through this kind of quite intensive um, professional development with key teachers in the school and um, working in a slightly different way with other people within the school that's how we kind of create um impact and 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 support those schools to implement obviously education at that kind of whole school level and, and i'm interested to sort of to sort of understand 
sort of across the board because I, I think for some in some respects it's easy to think we're going to be doing this as part of an English lesson or we're going to be doing this as something as, as a standalone kind of idea but I guess you're sort of talking about being able to sort of embed it across multiple subjects and multiple situations depending on what the school's trying to get out of it. Yeah absolutely I think um, it, it needs to be um, it needs to be driven as any, you know, it's a whole school intervention. I think that, you know, there's obviously that aspect of learn about learning in the classroom. Um, so when we think about RSE, we tend to think about it as both learning to and learning through talk. So we've got a kind of Venn diagram. So learning to talk, that's making sure that we're teaching students the um, oracy skills that they need to be really effective communicators of different situations and different contexts and when we're talking about oracy skills we're talking about the four strands of the oracy framework so that's a framework that we developed at voice 21 um, with cambridge university um, and that splits oracy into four sort of distinct but interleaving strands so we've got the physical strand which is how we're using our voice as an instrument um, there's actions we're using the cognitive strand which is how we're structuring our ideas the content of what we're saying uh, the linguistic strands so that's the words that we use how we bring those together through speech and then the social emotional strand which in a kind of group work group discussion context might be about those group dynamics how we're making sure that everyone gets a chance to speak in a more presentational context you know how we're having an impact um on our audience and engaging with them. So that's the kind of two talk side of the, the Oracy Venn diagram. And then we've got learning through talk and that's making sure that in the classroom, we're creating these opportunities for students to develop their thinking, their understanding, their reasoning, and that they've got the Oracy skills that they need to be able to do that really, really effectively. Um, so there's a lot of work to be done in terms of developing kind of classroom practice around that. So really thinking about how we are creating classrooms where students have opportunities to learn both to and both through talk. And that's really, really important. Um, but then, you know, in order to kind of create a culture where that happens within a school, it's really important that, um, you know, it's a key part of the school's vision for how they provide an effective education. So there's a lot of work to do there about making sure that we're really connecting Oracy into the kind of the vision and the ethos um, of the school and that that's kind of a, a, a key thing there. Um, we also need to think about, I guess, uh, our kind of fifth Oracy benchmark is making sure that um, leaders are accountable for the impact of Oracy. So if we're investing all of this time um, in developing Oracy practice within the school, how are we making sure that we know that it's making a difference and that we're finding out where it's working, where it's not working, how we're kind of continually improving that. Um, and then also how we're building a culture of Oracy across the school. So how we kind of, um, how do we help, how do we make students feel like their, their voice is valued and really, really important. So lots of the schools that we work with um, do really interesting things beyond the classroom. So um, kind of do oracy assemblies. So um, instead of having one teacher kind of standing at the front talking at the students, we have these really interactive dialogic assemblies where students are engaging with important issues, talking to each other, standing up, presenting what they think to other students across their year group. And that really sends a message to students that, you know, this really important aspect of school culture, this, um, you know, assembly that we invest so much time in each week, that actually as part of that, their voice is really, really important. And there's lots of kind of subtle shifts that our schools are making to really send students the message that we value your voice it's important we're going to give you the skills that you need to be able to speak up and be really effective communicators and we want to hear what you've got to say yeah I mean that makes such a such an important difference to people doesn't it because I think that's one thing that I noticed um certainly as my, our kids were sort of going through school you sort of went from that sort of 
primary age of kind of wanting to ask and be part of everything to slightly as they get older into that I think everyone thinks I should know this, so I shouldn't be asking and I shouldn't be questioning anything too much. I'm going to keep my head down. <laughs> That's what goes a little bit back into what we were saying before. So I think it's such an important factor of that kind of, not only do we want to hear from you, we're interested and we want to support and we're kind of, we're all learning together, which I guess is effectively what that starts to feel like. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned that you're often with schools um, for a number of years. So what does that arc look like? Is that a question of just making sure you have more sort of touch time with, with, with teachers or the fact that you're able to support um, students over a number of years? Or does the sort of the, the development of the programme kind of change the, the, the more time you have with people? Yes, that's a really good question. So um schools will you know obviously I guess one of the things that we recognize is there isn't a sort of one size fits all approach so particularly with oracy where it you know there's there's not a kind of there's not usually like a dedicated spot where it kind of sits in the timetable you know we really need to work with schools to really look at everything they do and really think okay where are the best opportunities for oracy within this where can we exploit what we're already doing and use that as an opportunity to embed and to develop um, your school's oracy provision so there's a lot of work to be done in terms of thinking right where are the best places that we can fit oracy into um everything that a school does and that takes time um but in terms of the in terms of the program what we're trying to do is we're trying to take schools um from you know beginning to work with us all the way to becoming a voice 21 oracy center of excellence so we've just introduced this new kind of accreditation program so um, when schools have been with us a number of years we've worked on all the different aspects of the the oracy benchmarks they really feel like they're meeting those benchmarks they've embedded a high quality oracy education then they can work towards being accredited accredited as a center of excellence um and last year we accredited nine oracy centers of excellence so they were our kind of longest standing schools that we've worked with um over a number of years it was great Great to kind of be able to celebrate those schools um, and to celebrate kind of the, the the oracy education that they're providing and we're hoping to take more schools through that process this year um, but i guess in terms of the program and how it develops it it, it yeah it really depends on kind of what the school's doing and we really work with the school to think about you know what their next steps are but often schools will really start kind of with a general kind of introduction to classroom practice they'll start trialing some different things they'll start thinking about okay what are our shared expectations for oracy going to be across the school and they'll kind of drip feed those things out um once we've really built those kind of strong foundations in classroom practice, what we then do is think about how can we anchor those through the school's curriculum so that if, you know, all of those teachers that we've worked with, that we've trained left, leave, you know, what's left, we've got this really, really strong curriculum that means that, you know, obviously is a sustained kind of part of that, of kind of the, the education that that school provides. And then as we're building those foundations of the curriculum, we start to think, okay, what about the kind of cultural practices in the school? So thinking like assemblies, parents evenings, all of those other things that we do within school, how can we kind of shift those to give them um, an oracy focus? And you sort of mentioned that there's usually like a guiding light, as it were, or I guess more importantly, you know, a voice within the school that's kind of sort of really pushes it in, in terms of getting it going. In terms of how um, sort of schools approach you, is it often the senior leadership or a head that thinks this is where 
we want to be spending some time and then it filters down through and then they're sort of appointing that person that's going to be that that voice as it were or can it come from somewhere within a school where they think i think this would really benefit obviously my class in and my area of expertise and i think i can take that further and, and sort of develop it through the school yeah, so it's really interesting, um, kind of, yeah, how schools come to sort of become, come to be voice 21 RSC schools. And often, you know, it is, it starts with kind of one teacher that's really, really passionate about RSC and their kind of passion is infectious. And they've been on our website, they've learned all about RSC, they've attended our like free webinars and everything that we do. And, and that kind of passion has bubbled out of their classroom. Um, and then they've almost kind of convinced the senior leadership team, you know, this is something we need to prioritise. Let's become a voice to anyone RSE school. So that's definitely a route, um, a, a kind of route to becoming a voice to anyone RSE school. But we also obviously see lots of kind of head teachers, senior leaders that have identified this as something that will improve the kind of quality of education they're providing at a school level. It's something that they think that their students um, really need. Um, and I think because... Um, because it's something that schools have often thought about less, I think they really value having that kind of external support and expertise um, th that we provide. And in terms of the different types of schools, is it really across the board or are you finding the fact that you've now got multi-academy trust and things like that, people are sort of able to go, well, we can make a big difference in one fell swoop because we can we can make a bigger difference in a number of schools in, in one go by by kind of getting involved in that way? Yeah, so we work with, um, so we've got 870 Voice 21 RSC schools now, which is amazing. You know, we started off in one school. So in six years of kind of really running programs um, and really kind of working with schools kind of beyond that, that first school that we worked in, you know, it's really sort of snowballed. Um, and yeah, there's lots of lots of kind of individual schools that we work with, but we also have a number of group projects. So um, yeah, whether that's a multi academy trust, whether it's um, a local authority that think this is something that that's really important, they found some funding to to support schools kind of across a whole area to engage um, in, in our work and to develop their RSE practice. So yeah, it's a real mixture. Our kind of cohort of schools is a mixture of these kind of individual um, schools that are really passionate about RSE and then also these kind of big group projects, whether that's through multi-academy trusts or um, local authorities or different kind of commissioning bodies. And take us a little bit into, into your journey within that. Obviously, you're Director of Learning and Impact um, is is your title but what what was what does that mean in terms of where you sort of entered the <laughs> entered voice 21 in terms of what you had before and, and what you're able to bring into sort of starting that off yeah so um so i started my career as a primary school teacher so i worked in london um and also internationally um, and I guess almost by luck, I started working in a school that really sort of valued RSE, that was very much kind of very forward thinking in terms of RSE practice. And I think then it became a real sort of passion of mine. So um, I'm a, you know, as a primary school teacher, I got the opportunity, I guess, to um, develop my own kind of RSE teaching practice and see firsthand the impact that, that made. So, um, you know, the, the difference it can make when you really explicitly teach the RSE skills that students need um, and the kind of conversations and discussions that we were having in my classroom uh, because of that just absolutely sort of blew my mind. So it made me this kind of huge RSE advocate. Um, and I think there's a couple of like moments in the classroom that, 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 that were really important for me. So um, when I was teaching in year four, we decided that we were going to run a speech making competition for our students. Um, 
And we taught them all about, you know, what makes a great speech, all the rhetorical devices. We watched speeches, we deconstructed them. Um, and then we gave students the opportunity to, to prepare their own speech about something that they were passionate about. So we had um, students doing speeches about climate change, about animal welfare, um, about why we should lower the voting age and let children vote as well as adults. Um, and then we got students to perform these speeches um, in front of like quite a large audience of, of unfamiliar people. And it was honestly one of the best things that I've ever done as a teacher. Like you could just see as the students were getting onto the stage, you know, a bit nervous. We'd done so much work. We practiced the presentation skills. We'd you know spent a long time like rehearsing them. You know, they were really prepared to do this, but obviously, you know, you're still going to be nervous. But watching them almost kind of grow in confidence on the stage and how excited they were about it. Um, you know, and even three or four years after we did that and I would pop back into this school, to, you know, they would say to me, do you remember when I did that speech? And some of them could still recite the speech because they were so passionate about it. Um, so that was something, I think that was my best moment as a teacher. It was quite transformative. Um, so then being part of Voice 21, it was really that opportunity to think, well, actually, how can more students across the UK have these opportunities? How can I kind of grow that pool of students that are getting to do these amazing things that are finding their voice that are getting to yeah to, to, to use that voice um in different contexts um so yeah so i joined voice 21 quite early on in its development i kind of um jumped over from the school that i was working in and was working part-time at voice 21 um and at school uh, and at the school where um where we first developed this practice um and then after a year kind of jumped over fully to Voice 21. And at that time, I think there were four or five of us working at Voice 21. And now there's the 60 of us. So um, I guess in terms of my career, I've had lots of opportunities to do kind of everything at Voice 21, really, because I think when you're working in such a, you know, in a, in a, in a small organisation that's scaling, you kind of have to wear lots of different hats and try out lots of different things. Um, but yeah, I've been the Director of Learning and Impact for three years now. And that's, um, I love this role, because it means that you know, it's really delving into what we mean by really, really good oracy practice, like understanding that, understanding the difference that we're making in our schools and then using that understanding um, to make more of a difference. Yeah, I love it. And, and the passion really comes through. And I think people can start to sort of see how that impact could be affected most in their school, which is which is really key. And like you say, that then just starts to snowball, doesn't it, as you do more and more. And I think uh, it's great for people in education to hear how their skills when they look like it's going to be a certain way um like I, i'm in the classroom and I'm, I'm in i've got my year five classroom or whatever it happens to be and i'm making a big difference to, you know these 30 children or however many there are in the class but actually i've got something else within that which is very specific and then like i say now you're affecting thousands of children you know but just with that same passion and just changing the focus of where you're putting your energies and i think that's a way where education can develop and can uh, and morph in a way without that sort of silver bullet which probably isn't going to make the, that much of a difference coming soon but each of those conversations each of the organizations that get upset um get set up like voice 21 are making a big difference and i think that's a really exciting thing for people with an education to hear because they really feel like we are making a difference and we are moving in the direction which is supporting children in this sort of the modern age really and I guess one of the sort of building on that point, um, but one of the things that we've really tried to do at Voice 21 is develop um, this role of oracy leader within schools. So when we first started, 
Um, nobody had the kind of the role of being the oracy lead within the school. And um, that was something that I did, but it was quite rare. And we really tried to sort of um, build this idea that becoming the, the leader of oracy, the person that's leading oracy across your school is a really great career route. Um, and it's a way that you can take all of that expertise that you've developed around oracy, and then you can use that to influence classrooms across the school. Um, and our report that we did earlier this year, so our insights and impact report, where we survey teachers and students at kind of um, in Voice 21 oracy schools across the country, we really kind of looked into leadership and we found that the most confident oracy leaders or the more confident an oracy leader was within their school, the more progress that their school made in terms of embedding oracy education. So that role of oracy leader is really, really important because you're the person that makes sure that it's not a kind of it's not invisible within the school. Like having you there as the leader, as the person that's driving it is really, really important. Um, so yeah, definitely kind of consider um, that the role of oracy leader if you're thinking about the next steps in your career. Yeah, it makes a it makes a really important point, I think, and and, and there's a certain um, irony there about the fact, of course, that we're talking about oracy. You know, it's not about this is the way it looks written down. This is the way it happens to be because this is how it fits into everything like that. We're talking about a form which is different in, in so many parts of of what you perceive about it within education, and I think having someone who's really got that voice that's able to bring that across and I think what that does is it comes across both in terms of the excitement and the enthusiasm of that person but that then gets taken into the pupils and they can see understand and hear it and how they can put their voice on it and and, and I think that probably affects people in so many positive ways because unless you have that direct understanding of that's what's happening you may not and um, you may not have ever come across it at all through your entire sort of school journey. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't think I was ever taught kind of how to use my voice at school. Um, and I think, you know, when I went to university, that's something where I really kind of lacked confidence because I hadn't hadn't learned those skills. And I want kind of all of the the students um, in Voice 21 RSC schools to be, you know, explicitly and deliberately taught those skills um, that they need and to understand how important those skills are as well. It's, it's not just learning those skills, it's also learning about oracy and about the power of their voice and how important it is that they are able to kind of speak up. I think that's really important as well. Yeah, I think that context is key, isn't it? Because like you said, those examples you shared about how you did it in your school makes a massive difference because it really impacts them on the here and now, which is really, really key. But you can then also start to say, like say, have those conversations about how this will then be a, a positive impact further on your school life and let alone that into like say university careers and all that kind of thing and I think sort of marrying the two the here and now as well as the future is a is a, is a really key thing um what was valuable about your school experience or indeed is there a teacher that you remember and and, and why was that um, oh, I feel like my school experience wasn't um, wasn't very memorable, um, which is a shame. That's probably one of the reasons why I'm passionate about education and making yeah, yeah, sure, for sure that um, that for other people it is memorable. Um, but if I had to pick one teacher, it would probably be, gosh, um, my RE teacher, uh, Mr. Rogers. Um, and he was just, I mean, he just knew his subject inside out. He was a real expert. And we used to have like the most incredible kind of debates and discussions in his lessons that were really kind of thought provoking the kind of things that you just leave sort of and you'd still be thinking about it later that day um so yeah, i'd probably say he was the best the best teacher or the most memorable yeah and i love the way that ties in so well to what you say like say it was about the discussions it was about the conversations it sort of it sort of makes perfect sense that that would be the person that 
obviously made an impact with you and also is memorable as well. It's such a such a key thing. Um, what was the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Or indeed, is there a piece of advice you might give your younger self now looking back? Um, I think the best piece of advice I've ever received is, um, it's kind of obviously related, but it's don't listen to respond, listen to understand. Um, and I don't think that's something I necessarily always do, but I think our kind of go-to is to is to listen to respond. We always want to kind of yeah follow up and, and say something back, but actually just kind of stepping back, challenging ourselves to to listen to understand. And I think that's really valuable advice um, when you're a teacher about listening to students. But I think it's also really important, you know, in every aspect of life, whether that's friendships, relationships. Um, so yeah, that's something that stuck with me. I, I completely agree. And I think there's something purposeful about the understanding of that, isn't there? A little bit like you're saying from sort of the Oracy point of view, it's that understanding why you're doing it, what you're learning, what those skills are, and being able to put that in place. And I think, yeah, the listening side, which I guess is the, the flip side of that, we just do because it's something that we do. But being purposeful about what you're doing, why you're doing it, and how you're going to respond, or like you say, probably more importantly, not responding and just sort of being there and, and taking that on board is a, is a, is a key thing and, and, and a skill and, and an understanding, I think. And that's the thing. It's getting that slightly deeper level of understanding about what our interactions are, which I guess is kind of the key thing for today. It's all about interactions and how we want to, how we want to show up and support people and, and, and have these, these important conversations. Is there a resource you'd like to share? And this could be professional or personal, but anything from a song, a video, podcast, film, something which um, something that has a little bit of an impact that you think might be um, of interest. Uh, what would I like to share? I guess I would love to share all of um, Voice21's resources. So um, if this conversation has piqued your interest and you'd like to learn more about Oracy, um, you can go onto Voice21's website, voice21.org. Um, you can download um, the Oracy framework, which sets out what we mean by Oracy, the skills which sit under those four strands of the Oracy framework that I mentioned earlier. Um, also the Oracy benchmarks, which set out kind of what we mean by a high quality Oracy education, both at a teacher um, and whole school level. Um, and and if you're interested, my colleague and I have also written a book, which is called Transform Teaching and Learning Through Talk, The Oracy Imperative, um, which kind of sets out why Oracy is important and also includes lots of kind of practical strategies and things that you can use in the classroom to develop your students' Oracy skills. So um, I would obviously recommend that as well. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and, and just in terms of wrapping up, obviously the acronym FIRE is important here at Education on FIRE. And by that, we mean feedback inspiration resilience and empowerment what is it that strikes you when, when you hear that so i was really thinking about this and i guess i was just thinking about what a great experience teaching is i think that you get all of those things from being a teacher so i think you get that feedback um like instantly from the students that you're teaching which can sometimes be uh, quite brutal but i think it's important i think you know students are just like you know young people are just really inspiring to work with and obviously it's your job as a teacher to try and inspire them as well um resilience i think you know you learn a lot of resilience as a teacher um and and again that idea of empowerment you know how are you empowering those um young people that you're working with so i think that when i looked at that i thought yeah just the whole idea of teaching just really kind of stood out to me in that and i think having moved on to um, a kind of slightly different career that's obviously very connected to teaching those skills that i learned in the classroom have been so um yeah so foundational 
Yeah, I love it. Well, Amy, thank you so much for joining us. It's really always great to sort of literally hear the sort of the voice and and the impetus and and the uh, what's going on behind the website, as, as, as it were. And I, th- I think it's been really great to sort of delve into that and to get a real sort of picture of of how that works within a school. But I think more importantly, what the benefits are, both in terms of I think from a, a teacher side of it, but also from that sort of pupil side of it as well. And I think any of us that have been working in schools or even parents knowing how, how our children are with, with oracy and being able to, how important that is to take that into their life, both from an academic point of view, um, but also their personal side, I think I'll, I'll really sort of see the benefit of that. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing it with us. Thank you. Thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community. With over 300 episodes, I've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. Just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.